Hello and welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing, where each week we have conversations on life-changing and thought-provoking conversations geared at bringing healing to you no matter what destructive fear of life that you are walking in. Like we say every week, we are so glad you are here. I am your weekly host, Joe Debra. And today, friends, we have a special one for you. We have two guests with us who are two wonderful people I have known over the past few years. Our first guest, Norma Obona, who is a family medicine doctor at Ohio Health and has a very keen passion in wound care. As a matter of fact, as we are talking today, she is preparing to do her certification in wound care. She is a single lady and, yes, an MD. So for the single guys out there who are listening to us, Hit me up and I'll connect you. Our second guest is also a friend of ours, Dr. Christine Toluajai, who is also a family medicine doctor, currently practices in Mercy Health, Springfield, Missouri. And she also does have a, her master's in molecular genetics and biochemistry. And yes, Dr. Toluajai is also single. Friends, our topic for discussion today is to say I do or not to say I do. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Obona and Dr. Uh, Tulu Ajayi for the purposes of our discussion. And because of our friendship, I will be um, uh, routinely addressing you as Norma and Christine. But we have on this show been talking about relationships and marriage over the uh, course of the past six or um, the past nine months. We've talked about various aspects of marriage, how to have a living marriage, um, how to kindle the love in marriage, how to uh, keep ourselves in marriage and to maintain the joy in marriage. We've also talked about uh, a few things that uh, are challenges to marriage. And in a way, uh, by the grace of God, we've been working our way backwards to our topic today. Because today is a special topic, that's why we have two guests with us. To say or not to say, I do. An approach or a conversation about being single in our time and day. Norma and Christine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Wonderful. So <laughs> uh, we're going to dive right into this because we live in a time where people say it's scary hours out there to be single in today's day and age with everything that goes on social media. Um, uh, I think TikTok, Twitter, I don't know what other ones are there and all these dating apps and things like that. So is marriage in our day and age something that is still considered to be important for a single person and why i'll start with norma so i think that question kind of begs um a little dive into the whoever you know uh the person is what their background is and if they have uh, a religious foundation because that will kind of tell you what their ideologies are and what they believe in and what they value. So yes, uh, marriage I think has been devalued significantly in society. The divorce rates are very high and that has induced a lot of fear for people. 
Um, and also the landscape has just changed from what our parents valued and prioritized to what we tend to prioritize now um, and how we live our lives. So things are very mm. different, but it all depends on what um, our personal ideologies are and what we know to be the truth for us individually. That will tell us whether we still understand that value of mm. marriage and mm. know why we actually want to get into it. Is it because it's the next step in life or is it because that's what we know God you know, has in mind for us and if that's a desire for us or you know, is this a legal contract? Um, mm. as society mm. to wow. you know put it as is there are there financial benefits to it we're trying to find are we just companionship <laughs> um, you know so there are a lot of different um, factors that you take into consideration when you think about those things so all of those foundational things I think play into a person's decision in terms of what does marriage mean for me and why do I even want to do it wow. Wow, thank you so much. And um, is it a legal or a financial contract? We will be diving uh, into that after we get um, uh, Dr. Tolu Ajayi's uh, thoughts on the same question. Um, for, to the single person today, uh, given everything that um, uh, Norma just said about how marriage has been devalued and all the things that come with it, um, divorce rates being at an all-time high, even in the church, to the single person, Christine, is marriage still necessary or important and why? Well, like a lot of things Norma said, I, I do agree with everything that she said. And I think it comes down to what your definition of being single and being married is and then how you want to live your life. Like Norma had mentioned the foundational things because there are people who believe that um, they can be separated from their wives or husbands still legally married and they consider themselves single. There are people who would um, want to be in relationship with multiple people in multiple cities and still consider themselves single. So it depends on oh, wow. what you what your own definition is and then what you want to do about it. In our context, if you are um, living as a child of God, then being single means that, okay, you are not in any relationship with anybody and being married means that you are married to either one man or one woman. And so taking that into consideration, then it now you have to now decide, is this something that I, I want to do? So it depends on what your value is or what you value, um, what your foundation is, what you believe in, and then you can go forward with is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to live my life? Am I willing to um, live within what a marriage is supposed to be, not what I want it to be to suit my own needs? Wow. Wow. So uh, uh, thank you so much for that. And I'll ask you a, a, a quick follow-up question and then um, uh, uh, Norma can uh, sh uh, share some light on that too. So um, you did mention a few things in there. You had mentioned the fact that someone has relationships in different places and still considered themselves to be single. And then uh, someone is married, but then doesn't want to be with uh, one person. Uh, what is that about? Because that's a concept that's foreign um, to, the, to the idea of marriage. Uh, so um, can you shed some light on that, please? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately, I've, I've encountered people who, who believe that um, people who are married 
that are separated, maybe not living with their spouse, and they don't want to get divorced for certain reasons, usually financial reasons. Um, and then they want to, they claim to be single and they want to have relationships with other people and they are in relationships with other people, but they are still legally married, but their spouse might be in a different city, in a different state, or even in the same city, but they are just not living together. And so they consider themselves single and separated. So I've come across, I've come across that situation quite a bit. And then wow. um, there are people who, who I've come across that are also single. That is, they are not legally married to anybody, but when they are in a certain city, they might have a relationship with one particular person. And when either they or that person leaves, they are free to have relationship with anybody else until the two people come back together. So I've seen that situation. I've seen so many different types of situations where people change the definitions to suit whatever, mm. it, whatever mm. they want. And um, so that's why I say it's important like you have to know what you believe in before you can move forward and say, okay, this is what marriage means to me. Wow. Thank you so much. And I, I think that's uh, very uh, powerful. So um, Norma, then the, uh, let's uh, pick it up from here. Let's set the foundation for marriage. What is marriage in your opinion? Um, I, I, I have my own opinion about marriage, but how would you define marriage? And then we will take it from there. So I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, but uh, we're generally non-denominational, not particular about, um, you know, what organized sect we go to or anything. It's all about, you know, knowing that, knowing who God is and what he, he defines relation, um, relationships and, well, marriage specifically as. So it's a, it's a commitment, right? It's, there is a sacredness about it and that's why he, set it up that's why he created the covenant of marriage so that's that's the word i was trying to remember actually covenant so um <laughs> i still believe in those old foundational values um because that's how i was brought up um so i was fortunate to have two parents um who lived throughout um our time growing up childhood into adulthood together and they set that out and they lived you know, everything out and we got to see the tough moments and the great moments and everything in between. And mm -hmm. thankfully, I've also had a lot of great examples from family members. You know, my sisters aunts have really, you know, strong marriages, not no, but no marriage is perfect. But Absolutely. when you see how it's lived out and you understand what it means in that context of for better or worse, um, mm that's the covenant and that's how god set it up um so that's what i still believe in um but we also have to remember the practical aspects that we live in on a day-to-day -day basis in society we need to understand mm -hmm. the intersections between um the financial the legal and you have two imperfect people from two different backgrounds coming in so it's tough. Marriage is difficult. And yeah. marriage marriage has a purpose. It's not just for our happiness. It's wow. to train you. It's to build you. So yes, you're going to be reformed. You're going to go through a changing and it's it's challenging, but you have to let marriage do its work from what I've learned. Never been married, but <laughs> I've seen 
different examples where, you know, you have to let marriage do its work. So I still believe in that covenant um, aspect. And I know it's harder and harder these days to live it out just because <laughs> of how our society has changed. But it's that uh, bonding between a man and a woman and they make that commitment to live out that covenant with the three-stranded cord with God being in the middle and you're all tied to that. And once you're tied to him, then you understand what your roles are because you understand who you are, you know where your identity lies. That's what I still believe marriage is. Thank you so much for that. And um, I I will add a bit to what you said because I think everything you you said actually um, does uh, nail it uh, right on the head. Um, Because um, for... For intensive purposes, um, marriage is as spiritual as much as it is a physical um, institution. Mm-hmm. And, and the union that is uh, established, uh, so let's say marriage, I define it as a union between man and woman, um, as ordained and instituted by God. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, if it's instituted by God, then it has a spiritual um, responsibility as well as the physical, as you um, did allude to in your answers there. So, yes, and um, as a matter of fact, when you uh, study Scripture, whether the Old Testament, the New Testament, the uh, Torah, whichever one you study, the union between or the relationship between God and His church is always put as a bride and His bridegroom. And so I, I, I certainly think you are right in the sense that um, marriage has its way of um, molding the couple that are involved in it. Now, my personal opinion is that the fact that you don't believe in something doesn't make it false. Mm-hmm. And so you can change things uh, to suit yourself, as uh, Christine had mentioned, um, and to uh, make you feel good about what you believe or what you do not believe. But that doesn't make it false. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I really think that both of you are kind of talking about the same thing. But yes, we do understand this, uh, the time that we live in uh, the, and the society that we live in where marriage has been uh, kind of misconstrued and a whole lot of things uh, about what the um, marriage is. So I, I really do appreciate you sharing um, your background as in your mom, your dad, um, your family, and then your religious background. Um, being in there. I will employ our listeners to uh, kind of follow up on those um, because we're not talking about the um, institution of marriage itself today, but the uh, the process of singlehood and how marriage plays a role in there. So I'll go on and ask uh, this question then that um, uh, to Christine, at what stage in a person's life should marriage become a necessity or is it necessary is it before you start your career after you start your career and what are some uh, challenges that um the stages will pose to the person who is not married okay um that question it's it's very individual to each person there is no right or wrong answer i'd say but th- but we can follow a certain um, way to to go about it. Um, 
I think it's different for men and women mm. uh, just because of the way society is just based on where you live and where you're raised um, based on the mindset that you have coming into any type of relationship um, based on the things that you have seen growing up and the things that you believe in. So the answer is different for everybody. Mm. Um, for many people and for, for many years, it's, it's been the burden of being married has been placed on women, especially younger women that, you know, mm -hmm. by the time you're, 24, 25, you should be getting married or marriage should be down the line, you know, a year from mm -hmm. now or something, something like that. And so the career is not as important or was not viewed as important. I'm talking about maybe 50 years ago and then even up to 20 years ago. It's mm -hmm. now that women are um, more in the workplace and um, are allowed to do more things for themselves. So that's when that question is can be more applicable now to younger people um, mm. who are coming up now. Like, okay, do I do I really need to get married for the financial gain and the societal gain, or can mm. I take care of myself and then focus on getting married because of the um, of having the companionship and raising children and all that? So I think all those things play a role. So there's no right or wrong. There's no good time or bad time. It just depends on um, who you are what you believe, and um, the situation of the things around you. So if I'm understanding, then your personal goals um, that you have set for your life should influence when you um, deem marriage to be necessary or not. Is that um, kind of accurate? Yes. Yes. I'll, I can You can summarize it like that. So, you know, um, a, a few years ago, um, I, I was doing an internship and um, Norma, the, my immediate supervisor, she was out of college, had done her master's and is working. Uh, and she said to me that, Joe, make sure that you either find someone you're going to marry while you are in college or um, before you enter the workforce, basically. And so I asked her why. And she says, well, once you start working, everybody looks great. All the guys looks hot. All the girls looks pretty. But then you work with them for about six months and everybody looks the same. And so you don't have interest. <laughs> and um, she was kind of talking about why it took her to her mid-40s to get married and things like that. Mm -hmm. So how does that, our education or our career anticipation, Norma, um, factor into... Um, our processing of the idea or the necessity of marriage. Okay, so this is a, a deep question um, and there's so many facets to it. And part of it I know can be a little bit triggering for people who are in the feminist versus, you know, against feminist line. <laughs> So, yes, now that a lot of women are achieving more and more and getting more educated and uh, in the workforce, um, that has definitely changed the landscape. So we're spending our child wearing years, you know, getting educated. So you're mm -hmm. not really getting a lot of the social exposure. You might get, you know, social exposure while you're doing all of these things and achieving these things. But those are not actual priorities for you because you know you're trying to mm. work to achieve something and get somewhere because you want to be independent you have a goal for where you see yourself um so society uh is still trying to figure out where they land in terms of 
how do we now approach women who are have achieved more, who have higher degrees, who are earning more than the men now sometimes? Um, and then that has changed how we interact and how men, you know, um, approach women who are of high earning um, capabilities and who are actually earning more in the workforce. So it's a lot harder for us women who have achieved terminal degrees and are earning higher. Our, our pool is much less because mm -hmm. we encounter that in the dating field a lot where you know, men who were, men were generally, if we look at society and history, the men were the caretakers. They were the ones in the workforce, the women stayed at home with the kids. They were not always very educated, but now it has kind of flipped. So society right. has not caught up yet. So there's still a lot of that. We have men who are, ha still have that traditional mindset, but then they don't know how to uh, approach the women when they do encounter them. Um, so again, mm. this is not a generalization, but there, all of those things have changed how we interact. And with social media, where everything is so superficial, you don't really get, I mean, you, you get to communicate quickly, but you don't have the depth and quality of communication. Everything is very mm. superficial. So wow. it's easy to swipe and swipe and just look <laughs> at, oh, look at the picture, look at the quick profile, and then you make a decision. Um, you can't really meet anyone you know, of quality that way. I mean, yes, some people do, but it's much harder for the majority if you if you look at on a statistical basis. So all of those things have changed how we interact. And again, I think that has changed in terms of our what we tolerate. We're less tolerant people. We are, our mindsets, we want it now and we want it quickly. So there is no sense of, let me take my time with this. So we're just very superficial. We don't communicate well. There is the ghosting landscape now. That's part of our language, um, apparently. So it's not just the young people who use those things. It's happening with a lot of people. So our level of emotional intelligence is very low. So even when you look at, the quality men, they might have IQ, which is, you know, you expect that everybody who's gone through school or everybody who is at a certain age had a certain IQ level and you want to meet people of a certain IQ level and that's a given, that's a baseline. Anyone wants someone mm -hmm. of substance, mm -hmm. but the emotional intelligence is not something that's taught. You have to, it's either you have it or you don't. And life teaches you <laughs> and you learn about emotions, but a lot of people when you meet them, they, we, they just don't have that. So we don't learn how to manage our emotions well. We don't know how to be polite when we're in stressful situations, when things don't go our way, when we get disappointed, when we get rejected, when we get turned down. So you see a lot of emotional imbalance in that. So that's been a lot of the, the struggle with the dating world. Um, mm have answers um but it's something i've experienced personally it's frustrating and it makes me just want <laughs> to live underground and you know live like a crazy cat lady and have my cats and stay away from people but <laughs> but we all inherently have this need to connect we're not islands we need we're built like that so we're built to want love to want to interact with people to want connection and companionship 
that's why we still have, you know, the dating apps and millions of people are on it. And we're, you know, going through the dating cycle and divorce and remarriage and remarriage and all that because we're just built that way to want that connection with people and it's a desire. But there are so many factors that are disconnected in our society today that have brought challenges. So even with us being more educated, um, that in and of itself brings a lot of challenges up front. And it's not easy to navigate all of those things. So that's why initially, in one of my in the previous answers I mentioned, you have two imperfect people from two completely different backgrounds who grew up in different ways. So their family ideologies, their religious background is different. So when you bring two people like that together and they have gone through trauma in the dating world, anyone who is in their 30s and 40s and 50s, you can imagine they've gone through the dating atmosphere. They've been burned. (laughs) They've gone through pain. They've even in the church. I mean, the church that's a whole new discussion, but the church does not even handle that well at all. The church has destroyed a lot of people, you know. Um, so it's painful. There's so much baggage we all carry, and we bring that to our relationships, and we're all trying to do our best to just connect and make things work, but we just keep, you know shooting ourselves in the foot because there are a lot of things we have not learned that we're just we're trying to learn as we date but yet (laughs) we're shooting ourselves and we don't know it you know so that's why I'm a big proponent of you know trying to learn who we are as individuals what our emotions are what our personalities are how we handle hard times so that emotional intelligence I've learned over the years is so fundamental If we don't have that and if we don't cultivate that and try to grow as people, our pride, our pride kills us, honestly, as individuals, (laughs) because we think we know everything, especially when you're highly educated. So for someone to kind of tell you, uh, no, you don't know what you're doing or you don't know what you're saying or you're messing up (laughs) that well. You know, we get we get offended and we just walk off and, you know, it's so to hell with you, you know. That's been the mindset for a lot of people. But if we, you know, just practice some humility, eat some humble cake and kind of learn and grow, I think we would have wow. a lot of a lot more stronger relationships. And even wow. irrespective of how much we earn or how much we are educated or know, that humility is still such a very important thing because we need it in relationships in order to respect each other. We need that humility. We need to humble ourselves and say, I need to understand how to relate to someone. And there's always a respectful way to handle hard decisions or hard situations, you know, Um, and we need to learn that. We just need to be disciplined about it. And it just takes a lot of practice and um, a lot of trial and error, but you have to be dedicated to really try and say okay I'm going to I'm going to dedicate myself to grow through this process so you kind of grow what you go through in that sense wow um thank you so much uh for that you did pack a lot in there as a matter of fact you actually did answer uh part of my next questions but I I mean um you did say a lot in there and um I I think going back to the original question that I had in there 
one of the things that uh, personally um, I have encountered when talking to uh, uh, friends and colleagues and things like that who are not married is the, um, the intimidation that actually comes with the whole process of approaching a woman who or a lady who is more educated than you, makes more money than you, has a bigger ego than you. Um, in the past, men had all the ego. Um, but now women, I mean, I know some women whose ego can move a truck. <laughs> and so um, I, I do hear a lot of um, younger, um, when I say young, uh, age group um, gentlemen who expresses a lot of uh, intimidation when it comes to um, the idea um, of marriage and things like that because of things that you have um, so impeccably explained to us. And um, uh, you did mention the um, uh, the uh, concept of being superficial in our community today. And I think that is so, so, so um, important for us to uh, shed a bit more light on uh, because the advent of social media, the internet has created um, an illusion of things that we want to be, but at our very core, we don't. And you did mention over and over again in your conversation that we we are not an island. And that's actually a saying that I always say on this podcast as well, that God created humans to be in relationships. Mm -hmm. And for us to be able to function in relationships, we have rules, regulations, desires, um, wants, and needs. Because if I'm able to meet your need, then you have the need or the desire to be in a relationship with me. If you don't see me as an answer to a need or that you have, then we run into trouble if we are in a relationship. And I think that has been uh, kind of a predicament for us. So in part two, we will be talking about the dating process um, a bit more. But um, before we end this uh, section, uh, Christine, I want to ask you, how does one um, assess uh, the eligible dating candidate? So things that you have to consider before you even uh, get the dating process uh, started. All right. Um, well, I think everything boils down to what your foundation and what your basis is, um, mm. because you are going to you are aiming to be in a relationship with somebody um, for long term. So you want to make sure that you are connected and you share the same values and you share the same goals, or at least similar goals. So um, I think it would it will have to be what is important to you and what what is your what are your values. So as someone as as a Christian, then you definitely want to be in a relationship with someone that's a Christian. You you shouldn't be looking for someone that's not a Christian mm -hmm. because that will lead to lots of issues down the road. And then even when we are in Christianity, then we have the issue of denomination. As mm. as my own personal story of growing up with two parents that were, my mom is Catholic, my dad was Anglican, and it was always, oh, go to this church today, go to this church tomorrow, mm. my church is, we should, we should all stick to one church. That was quite a lot for a child to come up with. And so wow. I had to develop my own relationship with God and then decide, that, okay, I want to be um, non-denominational and this is who I am in God. And so even within Christianity, you have to 
you know that you you want to be together in maybe agree on where you are going to go or how you are going to worship God because there are different ways different people worship God in different denominations and so that that plays a role so the basic stuff um you know who who you are in Christ and how that um that how that contributes to who you are going to spend your life to so you want somebody who has that similar belief with you um financial financial compatibility is very important you, mm. you want somebody who, who maybe doesn't always want to buy the best car in the market or something and wants to use all their all their money to buy <laughs> you know the bmw or the but they prefer to buy a mazda or you prefer to buy a mazda and they want a bmw like you want to make sure you're compatible financially so spiritually financially the way you want to raise your children as well mm. you want to Think that okay, you want to know if you are going to com be compatible with that. Are you going to um? Are you going to be spanking your children? Um, do you want them to be going to church with you? Are you going to be praying with them? Are you going to be reading the Bible? So um, there there are several things, and it takes time to know the person, and so you have to. I would I would say you sh everyone should kind of have a list of your basic core values. And then look and see if somebody else can match those core values as closely as possible. And that would be a good foundation to start with. It's very complex. There's a lot of things that I have to you have to go through. But I think knowing what your basic foundation is, not just this person looks nice or this person looks good or this person treats me well or this person speaks in tongues or this person prays in church overnight. He was in church overnight or oh, 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 the Lord showed me the vision. The God, the God tell you or only him, you know, so, so there are lots of things, but having your list of what's important to you and then making sure it matches with the other person, I think is the, is the best place to start. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, and I'll ask you a follow-up question on that. Um, because I, I happen to be one who has this idea that if you have not become comfortable with you, you yourself being single, you shouldn't get married. In other words, um, you have to be content being single. Uh, and the reason why I, I, I have that mindset is because uh, growing up, I sat through a lot, by the grace of God, a lot of um, marriage counseling sections with uh, pastors that I was, I was following and things like that. And it got to a point where there was this case, uh, situation that um, we had gone to sit in and there was uh, a, a debate or a fight in the house, a conflict that started with toothpaste. How to squeeze paste out of the tube. And <laughs> As, as a young person at that time, I mean, I could not for the life of me understand why this was a problem that has materialized into the husband not staying at home and the wife not talking to the husband and the children being uh, at grandparents. I could not understand it. And I realized that um, as time goes on, obviously with aging comes some knowledge too, that because they had not really taken the time, and this is both parties, they had not taken the time to process the things that they had dealt with in um, their single state. So what am I saying here? The guy grew up in a very poor family, and the lady grew up in a rich family. Um, but because they had not taken the time to process the um, luxury uh, they had or didn't have, now, when they had come together, 
it had become a problem because they don't know how to find the middle ground. The gentleman thought that squeezing the toothpaste from the top up is being wasteful. And the lady just thought toothpaste is toothpaste. I can squeeze it any way I want. And that's how what the fight had started about. Exactly. And I, I, I mean, it's, it, it was just something that was so uh, bizarre, in my opinion. So I think that for us to even begin the dating process, like you said, Christine, um, the, real, the real thing is knowing who you are, what you want, your identity, and not just in Christ. Um, I don't want it to be limited to being a Christian or not. No, your identity as a person, because God made you to exist in community, like Norma mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. And the relationship you have with people, unfortunately, is not going to always be with Christians. So know who you are really in the work field or your, your career aspirations and things like that. I think certainly um, it's important, but also realizing that when you talk about dating and marriage, you're bringing in a whole new person with their own beliefs, their own identity, their own wants and needs. I think that is sometimes what we miss out. And I don't know, um, I, I a few months ago, I, I, I was working on a book that I'm actually trying to get complete and i have a topic in there that the church not washington has failed marriage and it goes um most of the things i was talking about in there actually uh is what norma had pointed out to us and some of the things that uh christine you had pointed out to us because the church doesn't take the time to um help us in our state of being single and so I mean, we don't have any counseling session for being single, but we have counseling session for uh, pre-marriage. And I think that is a disservice. And so I talked about that in, the cha in that chapter in the book that I, I, I was working on. Hopefully, God gives me the grace to be able to uh, finish that. But the follow-up question I want to um, ask you, Christine, is um, you talked about things that you have in common. But there is also this notion out there that opposites attract. So what would you say about that or what can you um, uh, share with our audience about that concept of opposite attracting? Um, I think there is an element of truth to that, but I think that comes from complementing personalities. Mm. So when I say opposite attract, I, I believe what we should really be thinking about is complementing the personality. Wow. Like, you know, I have something that I might be better at and you have something that you, have, you might be better at and you might be able to point something out to me. I can point something out to you. And um, so it should be more complementing, not really opposite. Because I think sometimes we get carried away as, oh, this person is really different from me and you admire certain things about that person, but you are not thinking about how they are going to how those things are going to be come together when you are living as man and wife. Mm. And so that's why mm. it's important for you to complement each other wow. and not be completely opposite. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, Norma, any thoughts on the same uh, 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 question as well? Um, yeah. So there are pros and cons to everything. Um, <laughs> so it can be very interesting to see, you know, the interplay this is where psychology is very interesting and you, you see, you know, why people do the things they do. 
But uh, yeah, so a lot of times we think about extroverts versus introverts. You know, the introverts are more reserved to themselves and, you know, it's good when an extrovert compliments them and gets them out. Um, But it can also be very stressful for an introvert. For example, case in study, me, I'm an introvert. I like my space. I like my (laughs) quiet time. But there are moments where I'm bouncing off the walls and I'm excited and I want to go out and I want to go to a party. I want to host. You know, I like... periods of being social, but I need time to recover as well. Mm. So someone who's extroverted could really stress me out if they're going, 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 going. Um, it gets a little bit too much. So again, there, there are pros and cons, but I think in terms of a relationship, the, the part there is compatibility and growth. But uh, so uh, before I get to the but part, um, <laughs> it's good when someone is able to teach you new things and also give you a bigger perspective by introducing new things to your life and balancing you out. So yes, Mm -hmm. you have your quiet moments, but you also have your interactions, you have your balance. But there are moments where that person is going to help you grow. And there are moments where both of you are going to have to compromise. It can't be this person's way most of the time, especially if that person's an alpha male type A and they want their way most of the time, you're going to squash the spirit of that quiet person. So you have to give that person time to be and space to be themselves. So there's give and take. And it's not, oh, uh, relationship is 50-50. No, you guys bring 100-100 of yourselves. If you bring half of each person, then there's going to be a whole part that's lost or missing. So you guys are bringing all of you into a relationship and you have to give space in a relationship. There is no I in us or we. (laughs) So you have to be humble enough to say, I am making space for somebody in my life. And the practical stuff is easy to say, you know, it's easy to talk to talk, but when it's time to walk the walk, it's a different ball game. (laughs) So, and we see that a lot with the type A guys and, oh, they want, it's my way or the highway and this is how things should be done. And females today are like, uh, nope, not doing that. (laughs) That is not happening. I am an equal <laughs> member of this unit, so you know. <laughs> well, uh, folks, there you have it. Females today are not having it. Um, thank you so much for joining us for our, our conversation on to say or not to say I do. Um, we are having this conversation with uh, Dr. Norma Obona and Dr. Christine Tolu Ajayi. Uh, they are both family medicine doctors um, in Ohio and Springfield, Missouri, respectively. And uh, friends, uh, this is uh, this is great stuff. Uh, I, I I wish that I knew these things um, before I got married. Um, they will be with us for part two of our conversation. So don't go anywhere. We will be bringing you part two our conversation on to say or not to say I do as we pick up on dating next week. Thank you so much for joining us, friends, as we do every day. We'll give uh, Dr. Obona and Dr. Tolu Ajayi uh, about 15 to 30 seconds each to share the important words with our audience before we close our section today. So we will start up with you, Norma. Thank you all for having me. It's been a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. I hope you learned something. I'm learning a lot. 
<laughs> All right. Well, those are not much for part and worse, but we'll take it. Uh, we, we have you uh, guys for part two anyway, so we'll pick up right there. Um, to our audience out there, thank you so much for um, tuning in every week uh, to Hour of Healing. I'm bringing up these conversations at your dinner table, at your uh, workplaces. As we always say, no matter what stage you are in life, there is always healing for you. No matter what you have been through or what you are going through, there is always healing. Today might not be your topic, but look through our list. There is certainly something there to help you get some healing in whatever you are walking through. God bless you for joining us, and we will see you same time next week. Bye-bye.